is Bloomberg Surveillance. Those on the East Coast wake up every morning trying to extend their business franchises. Those on the West Coast wake up every morning trying to destroy those franchises. In an environment where everybody's yield hungry, if you're getting something with almost no coupon, and particularly with a long duration, you're just buying volatility. When the U.S. market's done well, EMs have outperformed. And in periods where the global markets have had a weaker year, EMs have underperformed. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. We say good morning to Paris. Listening on Bloomberg Radio Plus and Bloomberg.com. So Anil Garia with us with the OECD, and we'll get to the Secretary General uh, in a moment with an important new initiative on cities. McKee is gone, gone, gone. Ritholz is here, here, here. That's a good thing, Barry uh, Ritholz. Good morning. Had a, had a good time yesterday, and after a massive negotiation, his people and our people got together, and he said, yeah, I'll come back for another <laughs> day at pain. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. Brought to you by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio to Invesco. The right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. A churn to the market, a quiet. John Williams of San Francisco, speaking in Singapore, made some important comments on negative rates and on the dot plot. We'll get to that. Some other news flow. Michael Barr will have that in New York. And, of course, we'll have news for you around the nation, Boston Bloomberg 1200. Uh, 99.1 FM in uh, Washington and Baltimore. Early morning San Francisco. Good morning. 960 the Bay uh, area. Uh, and then we will uh, move on, of course, to Janet Yellen's speech at 12 noon today, the Economic Club of New York. Futures at negative 5. Dow Futures negative 44. That speech will be live on Bloomberg Radio at 12 noon. I will be, uh, uh, Barry, I'll be there. Um, they, uh, Francine asked me what food I'll be having at lunch. I told her that she, the poulet rubert. Right, exactly. Is, the rubber is, chicken. Is the poulet rubert. Fantastic, tasteless, yeah, gray form shape. It, it is, but but it's, but you're there for the speech, not the food. It'll be an important speech and questions by the former vice chairman Alan Blinder of Princeton, and Glenn Hubbard of uh, Columbia, dean of the Columbia Business uh, School. Anil Guria is OECD secretary general. He celebrates ten years. Uh, with them, uh, but that does not describe uh, his public service to Mexico, which was in foreign affairs and finance and an incredibly important moment for the Republic of Mexico. And to begin our discussion, give us an update on your Mexico. Oil's obviously been a huge challenge. My concern, uh, Mr. Secretary, is in America, so much of the media looks at real negative news out of Mexico, but there's much positive. Discuss that. Uh, in the first two years of the administration of uh, President Peña Nieto, there was the most important collection of structural change ever in the OECD, not just in Mexico. And, of course, in Mexico, you were correcting trends of 30, 40 years that had not been touched on competition, on labor issues, on education issues, on telecom issues, on regulators, etc. Uh, the, the, the genius there was not just, you know, the design of the reforms, which is kind of well known before, but the question of putting together the majority, getting the votes, sometimes the two-thirds of the votes that required constitutional amendments, 
without having a, a, sing, a simple majority, right. without the government having a simple majority. So this is why Mexico is growing at 2.4 today, and some of the countries in yeah. the region are growing at minus yeah. something. You know, know? Barry hasn't learned this yet, but part of the reason you ask a question is you know what the answer will be. Ah, that's why an old lawyer's Why can't other trick. nations do this, Mr. Secretary? Here, General. it's How a combination you... of political will, <clears throat> political competence, and also Mexico has a very competent economic team. The governor of the Central Bank, Mr. Carstens, worldwide known. Yes. Mr. Videgaray, worldwide known, very respected. Mr. Ildefonso Guajardo, who has negotiated the TPP and uh, the free trade agreements. He's in charge of economics and trade. So the, the economics team is, is very competent. And then the guy who runs energy, who is the one who led through the, uh, uh, the Congress, the energy changes, which are the most important ones, which are now, of course, maybe they thought there was going to price oil was going to be somewhat higher <laughs> than it is today. But still, they are doing these, uh, these auctions uh, for, the, uh, for the capacity to, to exploit. For the first time, the private sector is joining the public sector uh, in, in doing energy and doing electricity, oil, uh, gas, etc. So it's a massive, massive change. And sometimes, as you rightly say, this is obscured by uh, uh, a cacophony of uh, the news of the day, uh, which do not let you appreciate the substance of the change. It is, and I say this uh, hopefully with objectivity, seen uh, uh, from the Secretary General of the OECD, if I were Finnish or if I were Turkish or Italian, I think it would still be a very impressive collection of reforms in Mexico. So... Let me ask a question where I don't know the answer, unlike Tom, who knows his answers in advance. When, when John Edwards ran for president here uh, a couple of cycles ago, he talked about the two Americas. It's a rich America and a poor America. When we look as investors at Mexico, there is a very sophisticated manufacturing sector. There is a substantial energy sector. But there's also the other Mexico that, as you said, sometimes dominates the headlines and, and perhaps in a way that is too uh, excessive to excess. So we don't know, learn about all the good things that are taking place in the, in the finance and industrial sectors. What is it going to take for the, the second half of Mexico to catch up with the first? We would uh, ignore the other uh, half of Mexico, as you call it, uh, at our peril. Uh, that is the greatest challenge. The catch-up, uh, half of the population in Mexico is in poverty, and about half of that half is in extreme poverty. And therefore, if you don't help those catch up, what you're going to get is this very, uh, you know, distorted uh, two-speed uh, economy, but also two-speed society. So you have to invest on issues like education on issues like health, on issues like skills, like opportunities, uh, infrastructure uh, for the most vulnerable. And you also have to make sure that the vulnerability of the parents is not reproduced in the new generations. You have to cut that, that, uh, okay. that, well, the, that vulnerability. This is critical. Then, Mr. Secretary, how do you do that? And the backdrop of this is the international pain we feel over Paris, over Brussels, for that matter, over much of the Arab Spring, of breaking that cycle of poverty that leads to such tragedy, economic impoverishment, and indeed terror. 
In How Mexico, would you suggest you break it? In Mexico, we have not seen uh, people going off uh, and becoming jihadists. What they do is that they, first of all, uh, in Mexico, there's a very large informal sector. More than half of the population of the workforce is informal. And that, it does not uh, augur well about their training possibilities, the loyalty vis-a-vis the companies, uh, basically a very precarious, perhaps short-term contracts um, in, in informality. That has to be addressed. But the most important thing that has to be addressed is to give these people a chance. Uh, the chance for and that is done through education, skilling, innovation. And not everybody going for you know a university diploma, but some everybody having the skills to insert themselves in the economy today, in the modern day economy, which is now mostly an ex- export-led economy in Mexico with massive, massive. Uh, mm-hmm. trade and investment links uh, with the United States, but also one of the most, uh, you know, better connected, better links throughout the world simply because they have so many of these free trade agreements. That, that's a perfect segue to the current election cycle. We've had a number of candidates complain <clears throat> about job loss in the United States and about NAFTA. How important is NAFTA to Mexico and to the region as a source of economic uh, stimulus and, and drive? I think um, NAFTA has a potential to become the single most productive region in the world. And that is because, um, uh, you know, uh, Canada, I'm going to make a caricature, let's say, has uh, the raw materials, uh, the United States has a capital, and Mexico has very highly productive labor force, uh, and uh, therefore, they can all get together. Um, and uh, if you look at it as one single economic zone, Mexico, of course, also has a, a, a very rich endowment of uh, raw materials, and it has its own sources of uh, funding and um, and savings, but not enough. Uh, so the question is, the <clears throat> complementarity is there. Mm. The region can actually... Uh, just by getting closer and closer and closer together, can become uh, a real power in the world, uh, a very, very strong trading block indeed. Okay, well, let's come back uh, with Anel Gary of the OECD, their Secretary uh, General. We'll talk about their new initiative on cities and on using evidence to link cities to their national budgets and national uh, politics. It's with the Ford Foundation. We'll look at that with the Ford Foundation and the OECD here in a bit. Futures negative six. Dow futures negative 48. There is a weight to the tape. You see it in the yields in uh, two basis points, 1.86. The German two-year negative 0.492%. And now this hour of Bloomberg Surveillance, it's brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com with our news. Here's Michael Barr. Tom Barry, thank you very much. A hijacker claiming to be wearing an explosives belt hijacked an Egypt Air flight to land in Cyprus this morning. The lone hijacker released most of the 55 passengers. The president of Cyprus says the takeover of the aircraft was not linked to terrorism. The Obama administration will issue a proposed rule in the hopes of increasing medication-based treatment for people addicted to opioids. President Obama will participate today in a panel discussion at a drug abuse summit in Atlanta. South Korea says North Korea has fired a short-range projectile from an area near its eastern coast. North Korea's weapons tests are seen as a response to ongoing military drills between Washington and Seoul. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. 
in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Barry, Tom? Uh, Michael, thanks so much. Oil, 38.59, West Texas Intermediate, down to 80 cents. Brand under 40, 39, 22 a barrel, down a good dollar five. With Anil Gurry of the OECD, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Visit them at nria.net. Oil leading commodities lower, pulling down stocks as well as the currencies of raw material producing nations and helping to lift government bonds. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 6.5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 60. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 11.5. DAX in Germany is down 2 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.85 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.85 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2.2 percent or 85 cents to 38.54 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 2 tenths percent or $2.50 at 12.19.50 an ounce. The euro, $1.1214, the yen, 113.56. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry. Karen, uh, thank you so much. With us, the Secretary General of the OECD, Anil Garia. He speaks six languages. Is that true, six? Yeah. Span- How'd you do that? Is like <laughs> Start- number it started four- very early. Is number four easier to do than number two? Uh, yeah, it depends. But, yes, mostly you, you, you develop a certain method, you know. Tom's still working on Rosetta Stone for English. <laughs> Thank you. Spanish, French. You, you start. Uh, you start very early. This is the. Uh, I started with English when uh, literally in primary school. Of course, we had Spanish, and then I did uh, French and Italian in private classes in the afternoon when I was a, a very young teenager, and then I learned uh, uh, in my. Uh, coffee exposure, coffee organization. I was ambassador to a coffee organization. Right. I learned Portuguese, and uh, I also learned yeah. uh, German. Very cool. Uh, Mr. Secretary, you have a new initiative out with the Ford Foundation, which says we need to link our cities much better to federal policies to just simply get things done. Let's start with New York City or Boston or Washington or San Francisco. These are prosperous areas. Do they need your city's initiative? It's not about uh, prosperity. It's about uh, the level playing field. And also because in the most prosperous areas, you also have people who are very vulnerable and very much in, de- in need. So here the question of inclusive growth is precisely about those that are most in need. And the other thing is that, as you rightly say, many of the instruments that are dedicated to leveling the playing field are federal instruments. They're not necessarily city-based instruments, but they have to be operated. They have to be done in the cities because 75% of the population of the OECD lives in cities. More than half of the world's population now lives in cities. So it's cities where the action is at, and that is where we have to focus this is where uh, all the mayors getting you know, together, not all of them, but a bunch of the mayors are getting together here in New York, um, led by uh, um, Mr. de Blasio. He's going to host us, um, uh, the mayor of um, – they're called champion mayors for inclusive growth. 
Uh, and precisely the idea is to create a hub where we're going to be able to exchange all the information, all the experience, who is doing what better and what is working better uh, where, uh, and that is going to benefit uh, the poorest people, the yeah. most vulnerable and, people. And, and, Barry, what I like here is the word evidence. Like they're, all, they're actually keeping track of who does what and who doesn't. Well, that's always, that's always great for tracking uh, responsibility and, and who's, who's accomplishing what. What I'm fascinated about, uh, Mr. Secretary General, what are the basic things that a city that might be having some difficulty should start with? What, what are the key three items that you would like to see every city has as part of their uh, policies to, to try and uh, provide opportunity for everybody? Education, health, housing, skills, skills, skills. And, and how does one go about getting uh, skills if you're in an area that has lead in the water and problems with uh, local education and a shortage of qualified teachers and, and a eroding tax base? What can – and I'm thinking of some Rust Belt cities that are having difficulty both in the United States and elsewhere. How do you impart those skills to kids that are hungry for – uh, getting out of bad situations. This is where you use best practices. This is where you get those success stories. This is because this is not the first time or the only case right. in which you have this situation. It has been done before, and it has been addressed before by other countries and other parts of the world, and it also is going to happen again perhaps in less developed countries. How do you address it? And this, the exchange of the information. And then, as, as you were mentioning a moment ago, and Tom was alluding to the fact that the national programs together with the local programs, sometimes state programs, are absolutely critical. You join forces rather than have parallel divorced initiatives right. that, are not, uh, that are very fragmented. How come the roads are so good in Paris, in, in Zurich, in Berlin? How come the roads were – you're based in Paris, right? Yes. How come the roads uh, I, are so I good there, like, for my sins for compared that to 58th Street? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the re infrastructure is a very high priority, especially city infrastructure, but also, uh, you know, road infrastructure. The European Commission uh, is, is focusing on, uh, on, on, on the question of linkages by road and by but, – but the greatest problem in countries like Europe is – that you have a workforce that is very vulnerable to the advances of technology, and they could be substituted, displaced by technology if you don't upskill them. So skills, 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 again, is the name of the game. You have to stay ahead of the robots. Even when they, even when they already have assured in Europe, you know, they have the, the, they have the, the medical uh, and, and they have the education, retirement. and they have the, they have the infrastructure. But the question is, they still need the skills because the skills don't fit what the market is requesting, and therefore they are in danger of being displaced. Tom, no, I think I think it's fascinating and something to continue. I'm going to wander off the TV, and you guys can continue this discussion. All the right. Ford Foundation and the OECD looking at inclusive growth. In their cities campaign, we're thrilled to bring you the esteemed Secretary General of the uh, OECD, Angel uh, Aguria, of course, celebrating 10 years 
of tenure uh, there. Futures uh, negative seven. For another five two. You so got another like, five? Yes. He's yes. like Lagarde. He's yes. like Lagarde, Rich. He won't go. So you away. got him out there for a second. Mine, mine is my third. We should bring him back for another segment. We should get him together. Would be actually a lot of fun. <laughs> We're good together. friends. I know Gurry and Madame Lagarde together would be really a, a wonderful uh, hour. Uh, futures negative seven. Dow futures negative sixty four. Uh, coming up more with Angel Garia of the OECD. Barry Ritholtz and Tom Keen. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by NYCB. Ask about their My Community Interest checking with free NYCD online and mobile banking. Earn more, get more. Visit nycbfamily.com for details. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. It's 7.30 on Wall Street. Good morning, I'm John Tucker, two hours away from the opening bell. And let's get you up to date on the news you need to know this morning. Investors awaiting a speech by Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen, 12.20 Eastern at the New York Economic Club. You can hear it live right here on Bloomberg Radio. And Bloomberg Surveillance host Tom Keene will be there. The U.S. says it's gained access to the data on the iPhone used by a terrorist. No longer needs Apple's assistance, marking an end to a legal clash that was poised to redraw boundaries between personal privacy and national security. Bank of England says banks should begin building up capital earmarked to support lending when the economy turns down as the outlook for U.K. financial stability worsens. 7.31 of Wall Street. Time now for a look at news from around the world. The latest on that uh, hijacking. Here's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much. Officials say four crew members and three passengers remain on board an Egypt airplane that was hijacked today and forced to land in Cyprus. The plane was en route from Alexandria, Egypt to Cairo. It left Egypt with at least 55 passengers and seven crew members. The hijacker released most of the passengers on board. Egypt's Minister of Information says the hijacker claims he has a bomb belt. We're not sure whether what he has is a true bomb or, or, or threat to the aircraft, but we are dealing with it as a real threat. The hijacker asked negotiators to deliver a letter to a woman in Cyprus. A Syrian antiquities official says mining experts have so far removed 150 bombs planted by the Islamic State group inside the archaeological site in the historic town of Palmyra. Syrian troops captured the town from the Islamic State on Sunday. An antiquities official says the technical team removing explosives could not reach some remote sites, including the burial places, because there are hundreds of mines left. South Korea says North Korea has fired a short-range projectile from an area near its eastern coast. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. John? All right, thanks, Michael. 7.32 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. You know, John Stashower, it's funny what uh, makes it to the highlight reel sometimes. All right, John. Uh, Yeah, right now we begin with a shroud of secrecy surrounding Matt Harvey. He was supposed to make his final spring training start today and then get ready for his first ever opening day start Sunday in Kansas City. But he's not going to pitch today. The Mets general manager, Sandy Alderson. 
it's a non-baseball uh, medical issue that we have to address. It came up this morning, as far as I know, and um, there will be some follow-up tests and consultation and, uh, that will take place uh, over the next couple of days. So he just he won't, he won't pitch tomorrow. Alderson cautioned not to jump to conclusions, stressed it was not anything orthopedic-related. Knicks had a 10-point lead at New Orleans, then scored only 10 points in the third quarter, fell 99-91. Nets, two-game win streak ended at Miami, 110-99. NIT semifinals at the Garden tonight. NCAA women down to the Final Four with wins by Oregon State and the three-time defending national champions, Connecticut. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashauer. All right. Thanks, uh, John. S&P futures ahead of the market open on Wall Street. They are down uh, six right now. That's down three-tenths of a percent. And the Dow futures, 59 points lower, also down three-tenths. NASDAQ e-minis, 11 points lower. As you check currencies right now, euro, 112.07. The yen, 113.60. Sterling, 142.80. And the Swiss franc at uh, 0.97. And we also have NYMEX crew. That is down 83 cents right now, 2% lower at 38.57. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg Surveillance with your host, Tom Keen, Barry Ritholtz, filling in today. And time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report being brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. John, thanks. Now let's see what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Apple may have won the court battle but lost the PR war. The FBI's decision to abandon its effort to force Apple to help break into a terrorist handset marks a win for the company, yet analysts say the agency's claim that it found a way to hack into the device via an anonymous third party deals a blow to customers' faith in the iPhone's ability to protect their information. We're having a heat wave. Meteorologists may soon be able to predict a likelihood of extreme heat in the eastern United States as much as 50 days in advance. According to a new study published in Nature Geoscience, a team of scientists looking for links between heat waves and water temperatures in the north central Pacific found a correlation strong enough, they say, it could be used to make skillful prediction of extra warm and dry weather about seven weeks before the temperatures rise. And climate scientists at the National Center for Atmospheric Research say they'll start trying to forecast eastern heat waves starting in May. And to protect scarce supplies of water, Saudi Arabia will soon stop the farming of alfalfa. So the country's largest dairy company is transferring its growth to an unlikely source for the water-intensive crop to feed its 170,000 cows. The drought-stricken American Southwest. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Bob Boone, thanks a lot. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Tom Keen, Barry Ritholtz, uh, filling in for Mike McKee this morning. We have futures across the board slightly lower, down about three-tenths of a percent. And Barry, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, John. We are sitting here with Angel Gurria. He is the OECD Secretary General. And we were speaking earlier about some of the judicial reforms uh, that we were seeing in uh, in Mexico and and how that's going to pave the way for uh, growth and and generally a catch up of the other Mexico. The question I have for you uh, is the budget. What what sort of budget is there for some of the big infrastructure programs that we were speaking about earlier? 
Well, if uh, you're talking about Mexico or the U.S. Mexico. Uh, because in the case of Mexico, uh, they've been very careful with the budget. Uh, we had all these uh, debt crises in the past. So now the, the, the debt to GDP ratio is less than half that of the United States, uh, maybe close to a third. Uh, and, um, and they're very careful about the deficits. There's a culture in Mexico. If a president would propose a crazy deficit, the, the, the Congress would block it. If the Congress uh, would get a majority in order to pass a, a crazy deficit, uh, then the president would veto it uh, and the market would veto this. Everybody, you know, once you've, uh, uh, once you've ex experienced all these uh, crises uh, mm -hmm. that are uh, led by too much debt, you become very careful, very prudent. They learn their lessons. So I think... Uh, The budget, for example, when the oil dropped, he said, okay, uh, um, you have uh, all the options you want except you can't raise taxes and you can't raise a deficit. Oh, well, that leaves you like cut, 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 cut. That is exactly what they did. But that provides confidence to the market. Now, uh, the judicial reforms don't cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, rule of law doesn't cost a lot of money. It, you know, you have to have infrastructure, the police, uh, systems, communications, etc. But mostly it requires uh, a political will. I think there is that. Uh, and also the question of um, uh, preventing, identifying and sanctioning uh, corruption and uh, conflict of interest, uh, for which also the legal framework has been upgraded. We at the OECD have been working very closely with the Mexican government on this. So, so now let's look elsewhere around the world, and everybody seems to be concerned about relatively flat growth. We just got some news out of Japan. What is the OECD's expectation for how the, that section of the world is going to be growing and what it means for, the, for, for trade? Well, first of all, um, the Japanese pronouncement today is important. It's about what they call Abenomics. It was made by the uh, Prime Minister of Japan, Mr. Abe. And one of the very important things he said is they're going to keep the increase from 8% to 10% in the VAT in April of next year. Now, <laughs> this is uh, far ahead, but that's quite important because uh, the the, uh, the Japan, last time we Japan saw that... More than 200% of debt to GDP, actually 230, 240% debt to GDP. They need the revenue. And it was, uh, there were costs, you know, there, there, there were doubts cast as to whether they were going to th go through with this increase in the VAT of next year. Well, if you remember the last time we saw the VAT increase, it really stopped the growth, the, the bounce <laughs> from economics two years ago. And, and some people blame that on, on, Um, on the economic yes, slowdown. Yes, what happened Japan. is that what happened is it accelerated the purchases until the day before, right. uh, and then of course there was a, a slump uh, afterwards. In the end, it kind of balances out. It, it will not have that much of an impact uh, over the medium and long term, and it will give additional revenues to the government. We've been speaking with Abi Guerrero. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Angel Guerrero, uh, Secretary General of the OECD. Uh, how are you looking on futures, John? Uh, pretty much unchanged at this point. All down about three tenths of a percent. S&P futures vary down five. The uh, the Dow Minis, 53 points lower. But Nasdaq futures right now, they are down eight points. And you're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Barry Ritholtz, Tom Keen, right here on Bloomberg Radio.
Surveillance brought to you by SS&C. More experience, superior technology, independence, and expertise. That's how SS&C drives the future of fund administration. SS&C, they're the future of fund administration. 